if you've listened to just a handful of Baccio Death Trip episodes, you would be aware that I have put my mind and my body through the absolute ringer for this soon-to-be award-winning podcast. If it's not getting up at 4.50am to chug pre-workout just to sit on a Zoom call purely for content, it's getting up at 5am and chugging pre-workout and running around the suburbs listening to Down the Sun. And if it's not staying up late editing podcasts and it's staying up late writing stupid rap songs about Stone Sour, and if it's not trawling through long forgotten websites from 2001 trying to find old interviews, then it's staring at my phone going, which new metal album do I have to listen to this week? Like I've listened to some fucking dog shit. Deadsy. I had to listen to Deadsy for a week. Do you know how many times I've heard Pork Chop Sandwich by Dry Cool Logic? Or how many isolated vocal tracks of Anthony Kiedis's I had to go through just to make that Tomahawk intro? So can you imagine my absolute exhilaration and my pure relief when I got in touch with the moderator of the New Metal subreddit, Sean, and said, Sean, would you like to come on the podcast? He said, absolutely, I would love to. I need that $35,000 appearance fee. I said, here it is. I've wired it straight to your account. Now, what episode do you want to talk about? And he said, I want to talk about Fars Tin Cans with Strings to You. I know it's not new metal, but they're one of my favorite bands. Fuck yes. God damn yes, Sean. I thought you were going to subject me to some absolute horrendous new metal shit like Linear 77 or something like that. No, a fucking great band that does not get enough attention that I... Love? Yes! Yes, finally! We are talking about Far, one of my favourite bands from Sacramento, California, an incredible band. An earthquake's out to a girl's guitar, they're just another good vibration. Anthony, please, can you leave? Thank you. Not even he's going to bum me out today. I am stoked because I do not think Jonah, the lead singer from Far, gets enough credit for... Not only his incredible output in New End Original, Gratitude, Kimura, Sons of Alpha and Centauri, you've got One Line Drawing, you've got so many solo LPs, he guessed on stuff, he's written a book, he co-wrote a Taproot song, and most importantly, he is one of the nicest, most humble people ever. Totally embodies the community spirit. You can reach out to him anytime on his website, he will reply. Like, he is very, very giving of his time. He isn't too big for his britches. Just a great dude. Oh, can't wait to talk about this. And thank you so much, Sean. It does lead me to my first question, though, because how does a dude who loves Glassjaw, who loves Far, end up being the moderator of the New Metal subreddit? And how goddamn sick of tier lists are you? Very. <laughs> there was a brief window where if you opened up the New Metal subreddit, it was just tier lists. We call it, we call it tier lease season because it's just like all it takes is one person, and it's like almost like a flock of birds. You're like, oh, they here they come. <laughs> you just got to brace for it, and that's it. it. Just flies over. You're like, all right, it's good. It's a true pandemic, isn't it? <laughs> it's a pandemic. Yeah, I got my shot. I got my tearless shot. I'm good. I, I've, I've been on Reddit for for a while, almost like eight years. Just kind of like I loved going on like movie discussions and specific band subreddits like Deftones and dredge and stuff like that, where you could just talk in the small community of people and, and nerd out over something. And then I just started like kind of going back and listening to those older new metal albums. And then I was just like, oh, I wonder if there's a new metal subreddit. And then I went to it. There's nothing on there. Every once in a while, someone would post a corn video or maybe like a obscure song and it would get like two upvotes. And there was maybe probably three people on there. And I was like, huh, all right, well, I'm going to just jump in and post some of the bands that, that I liked growing up that resonated with me, like Minus Driver or Relative Ash or, you know, Swift, all these bands that just kind of like, those are the ones that I liked that I, I you know, I figured other people would like too. <laughs> I just kept on posting. And then one day the moderator, like one day I get an email and a message in my inbox that says, 
you are you are now the moderator of our new metal. Please leave me the fuck alone. That's exactly what it was. Because I kept on messaging the mod and going like, hey, we should do like an AMA. You guys haven't done an AMA yet. Oh, we should have album discussions. Let's do album discussions. Ooh, ooh, do you think we should put stuff in the sidebar, like links to like playlists and stuff? And he's just like, his, his, his invite to be a moderator was like, shut the fuck up okay here take the steering wheel it's yours i don't want it anymore everything i've ever received is begrudgingly and it's uh, <laughs> an invitation to leave them the fuck alone yeah <laughs> no yeah and then since the, and then it's just been it's been a ride it's just like you know we have two other more moderators that are very uh active and just get it they get what we're doing there which is just making it a more of a communal thing where everyone can safely enjoy the genre and, and nerd out over it well, you did tell me, and, and direct quote, it's the best music subreddit on the site, and we're used to being subjected to constant berating about our genre of music, so we developed an attitude of openness and anti-gatekeeping. We support each other, keeping it organized, fair, and just a cool place to share the love of new metal. What makes it the best place on, the, on Reddit? We, we've, all, we've all been in the, 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 our, new, like the, our regular metal subreddit, where you're just like, it's just there's so much like, gatekeeping and no this isn't metal and then there's specific like this this or it's thrash sludge whatever and then and then you start going into like punk and hardcore and other stuff and it's it's also there too some are more communal than others but other but eventually it reddit starts to leak into those into those subreddits and you're just like i need to get the fuck out of here because i don't feel like i can be honest about how I feel about something and actually have a genuine conversation with somebody and then actually feel a little supported over my opinions and, and kind of celebrate maybe a band or a song that I like. When we came, when it came down to the actual subreddit, like, I was just like, how can we just make it so that people can just enjoy this genre without feeling like, Oh no, that's not new metal or this is new metal or whatever. And I think that helps because new metal never really completely felt like a specific music genre. It felt like a, a vibe, you know, it felt like a style. It felt like something that you could kind of bring other things in. And um, it made it easier for people to just discuss it and just be like, yeah, it doesn't sound like new metal, but it feels like new metal. Do it through doing this podcast. It's like, oh, all these bands are new metal, or a lot of these bands, sorry, are new a new metal. But it's like, what really links them together other than a certain time period a lot of the time? Maybe a certain guitar tone, but not really. Mm -hmm. And it's a stretch, but it always reminds me of like meeting North American people and they're like, hey, I've heard of the word bogan. What is a bogan? And it's like, is it, is it a redneck? And I was like, well, there's redneck elements, but as an Australian, we're all sort of a little bit bogan, but some more than others. And it's a really foreign concept to, to explain to someone who isn't from Australia. Like if you're an Australian listener, fucking give it a go. Try and define what a bogan is and what bogan elements are. You can't, but you know it when you hear it or you see it, you know? And I've always thought that about new metal. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, what is it? And it's like, Oh, I, I, it's a vibe. Now, now I got to figure out what bogan is now. <laughs> I'm expanding minds. You know, I'm really, it's a cultural exchange here. I'm in it. We're going to get into far and Jonah in a second. And I imagine it's going to be a massive love in for Jonah. But sure. you mentioned this band that I fucking love that I, again, like far that they don't get much love or, or at least in Australia, they didn't dredge. Mm hmm. Yeah. What a goddamn band. <laughs> right. <laughs> like all like the whole discography, the, the, there's their playing style live, like the concepts. It's just, they, they are, I met my wife at a dredge show. Like it's, no, my my whole like personal life is built from the foundation of that band. Fine, I will marry you. Just leave me alone at the concert. I'm trying to <laughs> listen to Dredge. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Why didn't they blow up bigger? Or maybe they did in North America. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, they played. Um, I think they played as big as they they um should have in at the time. So when they were doing that pariah parrot delusion tour you know they're playing the Fillmore in san francisco and if you're playing the Fillmore in san francisco and selling it out for two nights you're good like you're doing pretty good you can you can you're probably you know supporting your family you're probably supporting your career you you probably hit a good mark so i think it was one of the hit chuckles is when they just started to, to like realize okay we did this something that was very experimental that the fans weren't too much of a fan of but we we were having fun but now we actually have to like 
do something else. So I think that's where it kind of petered off. But I think at the point of catching Pariah, they they were on an upward trajectory and in, in North America at least. Yeah, and maybe it was my circle of friends didn't really listen to them and they never made much of an impact here. Because like, why would you tour Australia in such a small touring circuit? You know, when you can be playing there. I still claim Leap Motive is back on Spotify or it's just arrived on Spotify. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But like, it's probably one of the best arty concepty albums without being so far up its own ass. Yeah. It hasn't gone full Maynard, which is nice. Yeah, it hasn't gone full Maynard. <laughs> it's accessible and it's fun and it's it's great. But why did you pick Far? And especially like I'm a massive Far fan, big Water and Solutions fan, but you've picked Tin Cans with Strings to you. Yeah, yeah. So it's one one that's an album that never gets talked about. They, they were in the DNA and the bloodline of what a lot of the like – modern alternative rock new metal post grunge came from some bands whether they know it or like to accept it or not far involved a lot more raw genuine emotion that wasn't trying to derive from another band that was specifically grunge or alt rock at the time there was a tenderness to them a vulnerable side to them that no one could categorize at the time just like the way new metal was where they were just like oh i guess we're, we're putting incubus system of a down olympics skate and corn together all on one tour i don't know because no one sounds like them and then far who kind of like saw that and jonah writes it in his book he saw that happening and he was just like i i can't be a part of that we're just we're so much our own thing that there was they're almost within a musical genre of their own they're the genre of far (laughs) yeah he spoke about this on a podcast where he just he couldn't um tap into that new metal singer vibe he was earnest and sincere and gentle and softly spoken you know it wasn't just like calling the crowd motherfuckers (laughs) let me see this pit come on yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) some of the other band members i think wanted them to go that way they saw it it's like hey we're playing with Wilhaven. we're playing with uh, Sepultura, we're playing with Deftones a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, come on, like, you know, be that dude. He's like, I'm not that dude. I need to be genuine. Which is funny, like, listening to Tin Cans too, you're like, oh, they had that. Like, they could play Love American Style uh, or, like, um, uh, Boring Life, and they could probably get a pit going. But then you go into some of these little more tender songs in the album, especially in Water and Solutions, where it forces the crowd to stop moving, lock in and embrace something that maybe that makes them feel uncomfortable because they just want to go to a Deftones show and just fuck shit up. Um, Dredge had the same problem when they toured with Deftones too, because Deftones does have an art, very distinct art side to them. And, but they also, their aggressiveness is in, you know, it's it's off the charts. And And unfortunately that's what people kind of gravitate to sometimes but when but then when a band comes on that they bring on tour that ratio of aggressive and and emotional you know the emotional kind of have holds a heavier weight then then the crowd just like i'm bored like you know say something offensive yeah you don't have to tune in you don't have to listen it's just like i can see he's jumping and screaming cool i can mimic that i don't really have to listen as to why as such Whereas I think Jonah is is yeah much gentler and softer, even in his anger. You know, it doesn't seem like angry vibes for the sake of angry vibes. He's not just saying, you know, shut up when I'm talking to you. You know, that sort mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. that vibe. But like, it's interesting you mentioned System of Down and Incubus because they were far were offered um, a tour with Incubus and System of Down, and Jonah was like, I just can't do it. Like. I don't really want to be lumped in with those guys anymore. I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm enjoying just like doing acoustic demos and communicating with our fan base. I think that's cool. And the band were pissed and they were already fighting quite a lot. Oh yeah. But the band were like, this is our shot. Like we can jump on their train. And Jonah's like, I don't think I want to. And yeah, that's why they broke up. Like just a few months after water and solutions was released. It's, it's it was a real bummer that like that after that was, that was released and people started getting into it is when they're like, Oh wait, they're not, they broke up. They're to- they're not touring anymore. 
And I think that like those those shows that he they would do with Sepultura or like Monster Magnet that the label would like have them do. He was just kind of like, I, I can't, I've had enough. <laughs> then they would do a tour with like God Underwater, God Lives Underwater. But then not that many people would go. But it fit them more. And then Jonah talked about it. He's like, I went and saw Chevelle. I'm like, they were doing a very far-like thing. And the crowd were ready for it at this stage, like a couple of years later. And he's like, that could, yeah. that could have been far. <laughs> but you mentioned Love American Style. I've got a grab of it here. Because I imagine a lot of our butt share listeners haven't even heard of Far or Jonah. So let's let's hear a little bit of Love American Style. Let's do it. I, I know it's funny that you even said in the beginning, like, you know, if you reach out to Jonah, he'll, he'll email you. And I, um, I've seen him, uh, I tour like a, a million times. Um, but he, I put on a show in Portsmouth, New Hampshire that he was headlining and he told a story about when Neil Young, and this is kind of like, this isn't talking about love American style. We'll get to that here in a second, but he told a story about Eddie Vedder telling Neil Young about far. And I was like, I need to tell that story about it that in the podcast we'll get to that uh so i i, I emailed him i was just kind of like what's that neil and eddie better uh, story and he goes like oh it's uh this, this in the book and this chapter here it's you know when he tells tells about it a little bit um and then i was like i was like wait a minute i have the book and then i just went in and i just started tabbing stuff i was just like oh yeah that oh yeah that's really good too oh yeah we'll come back to that so i have love american style in here my boy came prepared i came prepared so you saw you watched the video, right? Yeah, you only sent it to me like an hour ago, and you're like, "Have you ever seen this?" I'm like, "No." And if you read the comments, a lot of people are like, "I've been looking for this for ages." Yeah, <laughs> it didn't exist for a while. So okay, so Love American Style is you, when you listen to it, it you kind of know that this is about uh, consumption of media and maybe like the 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 way um, people gravitate toward characters that are you know, murderers, serial killers or whatever. I saw you on TV. You did that thing. Can I get your autograph? Like this is, this is our, we're professing our love to you. This is our love American style, which actually can be kind of all all across. And then I think love American style, that's, that's named after something. So they wanted to do, they had two ideas for the video. One is they were going to play, and I'm reading from the book, a typical hip hop video. Uh, with them rocking in a swimming pool surrounded by a bunch of black people partying. And then the two was a USO show, like in Apocalypse Now, with us rocking furiously while a bunch of army people watched. And he said, I wanted absolutely fucking nothing to do with either of them. (laughs) So they went with that, and they went with Doan. And uh, I don't know if you know who Doan is. He did the video, but he did hundreds of hardcore videos, like hundreds of hardcore and punk videos. And if you look in the, like the early 2000s, 90s, Doan did almost everyone's music video from Blink to Finch to just like everybody had, Doan was doing his videos. So um, so they had him do that song and then they showed it to the, the record company and they're like, oh, no, no way. Cause the video is like, it's it's violent, you know? It's, it's, it's it definitely represents the song more. Than, than these two ideas you know yeah absolutely. but uh but there's you know there's him with a pantyhose over his head with a shotgun pointing at his actual wife and daughter that's heather and and hannah and then uh and then, you know they've covered in blood at the end of the the video and then it, it goes to black and they were probably just like shit <laughs> that's that's fucked up so then he ended up putting it on a on a punk rock compilation dvd and then of course it found its way on the internet it was funny too because i read this and i was just like i was like oh yeah i think i remember seeing that a long time ago i typed it in and i saw it and i was just like oh i gotta send it to him i've emailed jonah a few times i've had a, a few interactions with him and he's just always so giving and earnest but sincere you know what i mean it, it's not like building social capital mm-hmm. or anything it's like it's not a transactional relationship he just seems like a like a really nice dude so in the book too he describes do you know why the, the album's called Tin Cans? No. 
It's because he was fascinated with the internet and connections with fans and connections with people because he felt like the internet was like tin cans. I'm talking with a tin can to you with strings directly to you. So now when he talks to people over the internet, specifically with someone who's interested in his music and that's that personality, that personal aspect of that, like, hey, we got this tin can and, and I'm reaching out to you specifically. And then Elon bought all the tin cans. I actually <laughs> have a grab from the Electric Juice podcast where Jonah talks about communication and that communal vibe. And I feel very, very lucky that from the beginning, I was sort of interested in the exchange part, in the communication part. It was just a very, I was very excited about it. Um, sure. and I feel real lucky about that. And so that's, so that was all going on during FAR and then FAR broke up, but then I still had this big mailing list that we had. Um, and I relate to that really, really hard because that's sort of been where my interest goes. Like I can't write songs overly well, you know, but I, I can put out a vibe, but I, I've always been a relatively good communicator or building connections out of genuine interest. And I remember I would just spend all weekend like writing letters to reviewers and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. stapling the demo disc into it. And I remember uh, one of the reviews was like, this band sucks, not into them at all. But the, the guy who wrote the letter made me actually care about this band. And I was like, fuck yeah, I can take that. You know, rather than just like, they write really songs, but I don't care <laughs> yeah, about them. They were listening, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was <laughs> nice. You know, I've always enjoyed doing that sort of stuff. And I had a band that sort of really relied on just like emailing people and like building connections and so on. And we weren't very good, but we were sort of easy to work with. And, you know, if you're booking shows, being easy to work with and being punctual is pretty much a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's half the job. Yeah. Uh, sadly, man, a lot of Americans in this scene would come to me and be like, how do you get that show? I'm like, you just email them. And then you'd see the emails they would write and it would be like like a standard template. There was no personality in, in it. It was, mm. do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, you got to put yourself in these emails so they know who they're talking to rather than just like an AI. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, if you don't have it, if that's not where you intrinsically go, I, I don't, I think it's really hard to just manufacture or, you know what I mean? I think it has to come from somewhere genuinely inside you. And I think Jonah embodies that and in everything he does. Totally. It's funny that you say that too. Cause just today I bought a snowblower <laughs> and uh, I was on Facebook marketplace. I, I was talking to the guy I was buying the snowblower from, and I was like, I'm going to write a heartfelt, genuine message to this guy and say like, cause it's true. I was like, I just moved to Maine. I want, uh, you know, I, I, I sold my snowblower. Like when I moved here out of the state seven years ago, I was just looking for someone that works with like something, something that can get a, give us the last us through the winter, maybe several winners. And, uh, I saw yours and, and this is the one I want instead of just the, 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 the pre-template where, you know, you know, where you go to the thing, it says, is this available? You know, like, uh, I want, buy. Like, you can't, <laughs> I didn't want to do that. I was just like, I just, I wrote it like a, like a letter, like a, dear, <laughs> dear sir, I am sincerely interested in your snowblower. Perhaps it could last me through the winter. Several, maybe. Sincerely yours. And then I wrote my name. <laughs> and then I got it. I got it like the, today. The guy brought it in a truck. Like, I don't know if he would have done that if I was just He doubled like, the price, but I got it. You know, that's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> so just like that little bit of effort, you know, mm. and then that, that, that matters when it's coming from him because, and then that, that, that actually affects the music when you're listening to it because you're like, you're getting that connection. You're getting that tin can and string. I don't know about what your favorite track on this album is, but mine's Job's Eyes, I reckon. There's some softness to that song. And Keen, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans would know that from the episode The Pack. Yeah. He writes about that in the book too. He's just kind of like, he, he, when they asked him to put that song on there, he thought they were full of shit. He's just kind of like, he's like, oh, what, do you, what do you really want? And he's just like, no, I really want the song on there. <laughs> he's just like, oh, we'll put whatever you want on there. And then they did it. And then, you know, they got some money from it. But uh, yeah, it's such an awesome song. Well, what's your favorite jam on the record? Or, or is it, or is it, is, is this a like, is this just you loving every single track? 
I think I do. I think I do love every single. Well, I think the big thing was is that I didn't jump on this album when I became a Far fan. I got into Far because there was a really cool girl who knew all the cool bands in high school, and she came in with a Far shirt with the Elevator shirt. I was like, "Who's that?" She's like, "It's Far." I was just like, "I was like, cool." She's like, "I saw them with Incubus." I was like, "All right, I like Incubus." So I went to Circuit City and I got Water and Solutions. And then I was just like, all right, well, I love every song on this. I feels like this, this, they're exactly like in my bloodline. Like this was, this was, this album was made specifically for me. And it wasn't until years later that I finally found Tin Cans. And I was just like, because it was actually not easy to find. Tin Cans is not an easy album to find on CD anywhere. So I found it in a UCD bin in Boston, a place called CD Spins. Got it, put it in, and I was just like blown away because it was different from Water and Solutions. Water and Solutions is um, a much more um, mature, thought out. I wouldn't say it's radio friendly because it wasn't, but it was, uh, and it was still raw, but it was a little more of a cleaner album. And then you go to Tin Cans and they're just right out of the gate with like, uh, what's the first one on there? It's not it's not uh, in the alley yelling. Which one is it? Oh, yeah, what I've wanted to say. So if you're telling people you love Far and they're like, I've never heard of them, would you suggest they start with this album? No. <laughs> no, definitely not. Well, maybe. I don't, it depends on what you like. So the big thing now I, that kind of makes me kind of go back to this album too is I don't know if you've been listening to bands like Narrowhead and Bleed and um, Modern Color and Soul Blind is that these bands – Sounds like they heard Tin Cans and String CU. Oh, shit. We need to do this. It's poppy punches, like set to like a good rhythm with a little bit more vulnerability than like your standard hardcore rock or emo that was happening at the same time. And it's combining all that and uh, allowing that music to breathe a little bit. So the Tin Cans... Like when I heard the new Soul Blind album, I was like, oh my God, this is Tin Cans. When I was listening to Bleed, I was like, this is fucking Tin Cans. And then I would go back and listen to it. I was just like, this album, people need to listen to this. Like just the way people were, you know, are getting into the bands and then they can go back and listen to Hum or, or those early failure albums and being like, this is it. This is exactly like that kind of vibe these bands are going for, but they're just doing it with, the, you know, that youth that they have. And, and the excitement that they have for that specific type of music. The funny thing about what, what I've always wanted to say is that like, whenever, when I first heard that song, I thought it was more of an aggressive song. But then when I heard the acoustic version of it, I was like, oh, this is kind of like a, like a love song to the audience. This is just like, hey, I make mistakes. He says in the song, like, I feel stupid and it actually feels kind of fun, you know? He's and he's just enjoying the aspect of being human. He enjoys just like kind of being in this environment with an audience and people listening to his music. Um, this is just what I've wanted to say this whole time. I hope you're listening. And then, then, then he gets such it's a perfect intro to the rest of the album. It's just like, you like what I have to say now? Then listen to the rest of these 12 tracks. I've got a grab here of Jonah talking about this album in comparison with Water and Solutions from the Washed Up Emo podcast, episode 112. And, and Tin Cans was okay to me. I think it's got its moments. Um, some people love it and I'm happy they do, but we were incredibly self-conscious still and we were on a major and that was at a time when being on a major was being on a major. And so there was still some identity crisis going on. And um, so it was kind of a, a mess. I think Water and Solutions is is really... I think we finally figured out how to be a band right before we broke up. Now, I'm a massive Far fan. I love one line drawing. Not my favorite Jonah thing. My absolute favorite Jonah thing is New End Original Thriller. Yeah. That brings in everything that I love about Far, both 
uh, albums. I've never really gone in on Far's latest release, like when they reformed with Pony, when Pony shot up the charts, which must, which must have been really weird for you. Yes, because uh, people 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 who I'd never would think be into that band were suddenly into that band, but not into it for the reasons that I was. They were just kind of like, I heard it at a strip club, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I reckon if you are a songwriter and you just broke down the songs from New End Originals Thriller, like that's an all-time album for me, and you were just like, all right, they did an intro, quiet, and then they did a verse and they did a, you know, pre-chorus and they went to chorus mm-hmm. and you just broke down each song and then just went, we're going to copy this template for our album, you would you would have some bangers because it is, I think it's really, really great, simple, fun songwriting that flows really well as a, an album, but it's quite dynamic I connect with that a lot more, I think, than Water and Solutions and Tin Cans. I'm not ent- entirely sure why. I get it. I think I think New End Original came out right at the moment that I needed it. Like I needed to hear Lukewarm. I needed to hear Hostage. I needed to hear Leper Song. Yes, like, there was something about when those songs hit because I think I'd grown out of that like angsty, aggressive side of things. And then Water and Solutions to me is like the timeless aspect of Jonah. I can still listen to that album and be like, if this came out today, people would 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 dig it. Tin Cans is a product of its time, even though there's bands right now who are definitely replicating that rawness. But but that Thriller album was is is probably him at his perfect balance of being able to be himself be a little cheesy you know and be poetic and esoteric at the same time and create some great songs and then of course that's like with the help of not only him but those guys from texas is the reason and that just that super group aspect of well all those just creative minds together and creating this awesome album have you heard Jonah's new album? Have you heard the one that came out this year? Uh, what's it called? Uh, Tender Wild. Uh, yes, I have, but I haven't really taken it in. There's one song on there called What I've Always Wanted to Say, and it was supposed to be a new end song. Oh. It was supposed to be on that album. So he, so it's, it's, it's one line drawing. I think the album is called Tender Wild. And then, um, so there's a lot of cheesy songs on there. Um, which I love. I love his cheesy side, especially when I'm listening to it, it with my son. But when you get to what I've always wanted to say, it stops you in your tracks because it opens from uh, a live set that they did together. And it was supposed to be on a second New End album. And it sounds like a New End song. I'm like this, all of a sudden it comes flushing back. You're like, this, this should have been a fucking New oh, End song. Thank you so much. Look, we're gushing and... I'm like, a lot of our listeners may not have heard much of Jonah except for the grabs I've got. So I've got a two minute and 22 second compilation of some of what I think Jonah's best vocal performances are. It might go for a bit too long. Who gives a fuck? This podcast is for us and the fans. Like after 95 episodes of sitting through fucking some pretty rough albums, this is for us, man. And since you've told me like, hey, I want to talk about Far, legitimately, I've been really happy. I've been like going back to this like, dredge and fast sort of listening and bands that I used to listen to that they just make me feel good. You know, they don't yeah. weigh me down, even if it, might be, if it might be a heavy topic. So I hope they get some new fans from this, but here's two minutes and 22 seconds of Jonah being a legend. He says that's a Fagazi ripoff, by the way. Yeah.
is two, but think is one. It all disappears. I'd understand it if I could grab it. Another wish on my list. One more day. So please, but your listeners, I'm talking to you, Jed, Hayden, Ez, Ez, tell kid to stop playing the new Metallica track, put on Far or anything by Jonah and just enjoy it. Have a great Sunday afternoon, you know? If you want just like acoustic, relaxed Sunday morning, put on Visitor. If you want to just like put on like a road trip album, put on Gratitude. Um, if you want to like just rock the fuck out, you put on Tin Cans or, or even those like really crazy like listening game and stuff like that. But if you want like, you know, happy medium between all that, just get a new end. He's a little bit for everybody with him. And so Jonah says that on this Tin Cans album, they were pretty heavily inspired by Fugazi and PJ Harvey and her album Dry. Can hear it. Have you heard their cover of a PG Harvey song? Probably, but like I've been listening to like Jonah playlists on Spotify mm-hmm. while running for the last few weeks, so uh, it doesn't ring a bell straight off the bat. But probably, I don't know if it's on Spotify. It was supposed to be off um, that one, that new one that they put out in 2010. Uh, At night we live, and uh, and so they, they had it as a B side, and it goes hard. When they reformed, did you sponsor one of their shows or something? I did. Um, you did your research. Um, so I, uh, they, so when they got back together, I went to the, one of their first reunion shows in LA. I was living in San Francisco at the time. And I immediately flew out because I missed the, the far bus when I was living in New York, grew up out there. Because not much stuff came to my town. You were taking the Spine Shank Express and you missed the far bus. Yeah, exactly. As I was fine shank, dry kill logic, and all that other stuff. Whatever's coming to 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 my town, that's what I ended up seeing. Far, I they they missed our town. But yeah, I I was like, I gotta do it. I gotta see it. I don't know when they're gonna do this again. What if they don't do another show? I flew out to LA. I caught the first shows. There's actually a picture of me uh, that I I saved um, that from the review of that show, and it's me singing into the microphone with Jonah like from the crowd and we both look at each other because I don't think he, we, we've known each other for a while. So when he saw me, he just, there was that view, that look of just like, Hey, you're here. The restraining orders worn off. I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did you get it? They were supposed to be security. So, and then like it took off, like pony took off and then they were going to make a new album and all that kind of stuff. So I was working with a company, a, a promotion place called uh, noise pop. Um, and we used to, we, I was, had my own music website, uh, called Katarokar, my, you know, my Reddit username. And, um, and I was doing shows on the side, my own. And then I got contacted by the guy, um, Dawson, a friend of mine who's part of noise pop. And he's like, do you want to sponsor a show? I'm like, yes. And here's who I want on the show. I want far. I want like on all these other Bay area bands that sound like them picture Atlantic stomacher, like we got to get them all on trophy fire, I think, which is now part of um, black map who has members of far and dredge in them. So we got them to do the show. And then the, you know, and then it just, it was awesome. It was just, uh, we did it at the bottom of the hill and I got, I think one of my far albums signed by all no, that uh, the poster, we made a poster for it and they, um, they ended up all signing it for me. And I was like, I'm good. I could die and go to heaven. I got to see that. And they played like songs from Butter and Solutions and Tin Cans. And they just, and they're just, they were so tight at that point too. You could tell that they just wanted to get these songs out again. Man, speaking of like them being in other bands now, well, Sean went on to produce bands, but he's also in Crosses with Chino, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. It's so funny to see Sean's 
career trajectory and Jonah's career trajectory because it's almost like the complete opposite. Like, and not that it's good or bad. Like the, you know, obviously Sean is super creative and crosses is fucking amazing. And, but, uh, but it's funny how, like, if you look at pictures of Sean, which, you know, he's dark brooding, his hair is down. He looks like he's like an 80s synth, like band, like Depeche Mode, Sisters in Mercy type of shit. And then here's Jonah wearing a dress on stage, playing, like singing his heart out. Like, this is just the two complete ob. Like, no wonder they didn't get along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonah's got R2-D2. He's good. <laughs> yeah, he's just, has, you know, just, like, having a good time and everything. And, and not to say Sean isn't. This is more his speed. This is what he likes to do. But it's just super funny, like, how, how they all kind of, like, did their own thing. And Sean produced, if I'm right, The Executioners. And was it Saturday Night Wrist by the Deftones? Saturday Night Wrist. And then I think he did a, a maybe one Will Haven album. I don't remember which one. Yeah. yeah. Which I think they even, they named a song after him too. Was it called Brooding Guy in Corner? <laughs> like, so here, he's really gone onto some other stuff, but I just, in my mind, I'm always thinking Jonah is playing in someone's living room and having a great time. This is just what I imagine in my mind. That you're not far off. So every interaction you've had, you've had with Jonah has been a, a good one. Yeah. I was part of what was called the Jonah board at the time. You're always on message boards. This is what I've learned about you now. I've been always, I've, the, the, the dredge board was called traversing. I was always active on traversing. So like, yeah, Jonah, dredge. I was, I've always been kind of, you know, in those two communities, one form or another. Were you in the Glassjaw one? No, I think, here's the thing with the Glassjaw stuff is that like, I think when Glassjaw.net, they had those message boards back in the day. And I was always kind of intimidated for some reason to get in and out of there because it seemed like they were a little bit more rowdy dredge was a little bit more like hey let's talk about art let's talk about books like let's just chill out and then jonah was just kind of like hey i feel like this this is what i got going on in my life hey have you heard about like prince or the decemberists and all that kind of stuff and it's a little bit more open glass joy i felt like it was more like i fucking hate my parents like, you know, and then screaming, oh, my girlfriend broke up with me, fuck that bitch. And I'm just like, I can't relate to this. Like, this is not my, I want to be right now. <laughs> well, that's the vibe they must have been putting out at the time, I guess. Like, Jonah was very all about his feelings or like being open and, and honest. And I guess that's what you, you attract like-minded people. Oh, yeah. You definitely felt that way. So that I think uh, back, and it's in the, actually, the so it's funny. Um, Jonah found out I was a comedian in Boston and, uh, I was like, hey, we should do a show sometime. He's like, yes. And then I was just like, oh no. I started to panic a little bit because I was like, great. I'm going to have my favorite artist wants to do a show with me. So we ended up doing a comedy show where I had four comedians and then Jonah would close the show and I would host. So we had local Boston comics and they would go up and, um, and do their sets. One of which was like, Baratunde Thurston, who is now like a very famous like podcaster type guy, like he's in and out of multimedia type of stuff. But he was just a little, little open mic comic at the time. And then we did it at the All Asia Cafe on like game seven of the world of uh, like uh, the playoffs where the Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox were going to like win. And uh, and we did that show. It was a very heartfelt show. And then uh, and then we we all left and went to separate bars to watch the Red Sox end up like winning and like turning this whole game around. And he mentions it in the book too. And I was just kind of like, hey, I I I produced that show. <laughs> you should sign the book and give it back to him. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, here. It's it's all because of me that you're on where you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's the butterfly effect, man. Ashton Kutcher said it. But yeah, we know we've been in contact ever since, and he's spent you know, a night at my house, we've gone to the beach together and, um, you know, we've done little things here and there and just stay in contact. I talk, I ask him advice on, on being a dad because he did a lot of, um, traveling when he was a father and, you know, and so was I and like moving a lot. And so I will every once in a while, like when I have something, I feel like he would have the maybe the better answer for i just reach out to him and i get an answer like you said before like you, you get an answer pretty quickly and it's and it's very thought out it's actually it's not you know a, a you know one sentence thing he, he makes you he, he starts a conversation 
imagine being able to turn to one of your favorite artists for advice on how to be a dad and getting a genuine thought out response. You can't say that with a lot of other artists, you know? No, Lars has never written back to me. <laughs> Which art should I purchase, Lars? Let me know. <laughs> how out of time should I play? Please inform me. Well, man, I knew you had the Jonah stories. And I'm, I reached out to a friend who toured Australia with Jonah and I'm like, dude, Sean's coming on. He's going to be dropping some good stuff. i got to go toe-to-toe with him. What have you got? What insight do you have on Jonah from touring with him? And here's what my good friend Bobby had. You might want to sit down for this, Sean. Jonah and I brushed our teeth in the bathroom of a pub before a show. Pretty cool. Beats your fucking fatherly advice, doesn't it? Can't beat that. I don't know. I'm just sitting here just thinking about how upstage I've been. Well, man, you've um talked about being on forums and being a moderator. I actually think being a moderator would be a lot of stress and a lot of work with little upside. You don't get paid, do you? No, you don't you don't get paid for this. And which is funny because that every once in a while something will happen and I'll be like, I'll be a little stressed out about it, and then I'll just stop and be like, wait a minute, how am I getting paid for this? So like I can either choose to ignore it or just kind of delete this whole thing and just kind of go about my day. Have you had some controversy or, or something's happened? You know what? I've been very fortunate. The place is kind of its own thing now to where like, I don't feel like I need to police it as much. Like everyone just kind of gets the vibe of the place to where I don't need to, you know, jump in and say, Hey fuckers. You know, I think every once in a while, if like, a band like Lost Profits gets brought up. I'm like, okay, all hands on deck. You need to like, let's lock in, make sure no one says anything stupid. Or like, I mean, every genre has their fair share of bands and artists that are controversial. You know, hip hop, indie rock, everybody's, you know, especially emo with sexual assault and everything. You have these acts that kind of cause a little bit of, you know, back and forth among fans, like, oh, just separate the art from the artist, man, and this and that, or like, you know, but when you have bands like Stained and Trapped, um, Kid Rock, even. Wait, what's with Trapped? You don't know anything about Trapped? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to cancel my back tattoo. Jesus. (laughs) You get all these bands that like, that have said these like, you know, awful things uh, publicly online. And then, um, and then someone will come and be like, I agree with them. And then like, we got to come and be like, all right, look, you know, you, no, we don't, the subreddit is for inclusivity and we're all here to respect each other. If you're going to come off with that attitude, then we're going to have to kick you out because what his opinions are, don't share the same opinions as what we do here. So, but it's like I said, super duper rare. Um, and the general consensus for a lot of these bands is that like, hey, I like this album, but fuck that guy. Well, I've actually made a game to see how well you know your subreddit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I've gone through the album discussions and I've got a grab uh-huh. and I want you to tell me which album it was from. Okay. Because you do a lot of AMAs. You're really on non-point at the moment as well. You are, you are a thrashing non-point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're such good guys. And they're friends too now. Like, they're, yeah. Who's been the some of the best AMA people to work with? Kevin Palmer from Trust Company was just so quick to respond, super transparent, the nicest guy. He really, really gave great, thoughtful answers. Um, so he, he was just like such an awesome person to work for. And then it, it kind of made me go back and listen to those albums and appreciate his songs a little bit more. Um, and the album, and uh, uh, I think when you sometimes, when you're, especially during that time, you're just like, almost every album started to sound the same. But then there were bands that were trying to really make an earnest living and actually try to sing their heart out. And then, so after that AMA, I kind of looked at The Lonely Position of Neutral as a little bit more high regard. So that, and the Darwin's Waiting Room one, which I did not expect. Darwin's waiting room just always seemed like kind of like a and a, a weird emogulation of just different types of new metal that didn't aren't weren't supposed to fit but somehow did. So then when we had Grimm and um, the other lead singer on together, they gave really thoughtful answers. They were very transparent. 
they they gave the time to everybody that that answered the questions and yeah they're they just super sweet and that was that was pretty cool man i love that sort of stuff because that argument separate the art from the artist whatever but when you have a, an interaction with an artist who you didn't particularly like or didn't connect with beforehand you're like go back and listen to the albums like oh my god isn't I, that interesting yeah isn't that interesting though because like it how, how tragic is that that you have to separate the art from the artist because i think that when the especially when the lead singer is is the culprit of maybe something that was gross and disgusting and, and immoral that had happened you it's 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 harder to separate that than if it was like the guitarist mm. so like like with static x with trip you know and, and and that kind of stuff you you could listen to static x and be like oh i'm good you know but if you listen to uh stained you you can still kind of be like oh god like you know or lo- especially lost profits we're just kind of like you know what happened and then but because it's the lead singer you're like i can't i I, and i can't i can't judge anyone who can you know good for them you know as long as they're not promoting the uh, the horrible things that happen but think about the opposite side of that when you are able to not have to separate the art from the artist and actually have a conversation with these people like like jonah for instance and and actually develop that relationship the music actually ends up being such an insanely positive experience but man you're not going to distract me from the game okay so let's get into it <laughs> okay so sean moderator of r slash new metal are you ready to play the game hit the tick so the quote is i think the band is underrated but particularly i feel this album is underrated it is a masterpiece that is rarely appreciated for what it is with not a single weak song in an absurdly long track list Songs that are simultaneously catchy and vicious, surprisingly thoughtful songwriting and restrained production. Is that Dope's Life, Papa Roach's Love Hate Tragedy, or Cole Chambers' Dark Days? I don't think anyone would say Papa Roach is underrated. So I'm not going to say it's Papa Roach. But I feel like Cole Chamber gets called underrated. And that's that it had, well, Dope has a shit ton of songs too. So, because I, here's the thing I did what you did once and i i went through I, i'll sometimes go through an album uh for an album discussion and then halfway through i'll be like i, I can't <laughs> hello disturbed I, I i could i could be listening to something else right now and i ended up with the dope aim i ended up listening to that felons and um uh, album and i was just like oh this is actually kind of good but then i got to life and i was like okay i think it's dark days though i think it's cold chamber yeah, yeah! Fantastic work. Yes. Yes. One for one, a hundred percent. Double or nothing. Double or nothing, I guess. <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but I do not like this band at all. Is it Disturbed Believe, Disturbed the Sickness, or Mudvayne's LD50? That's Hattie Josh. Uh, I think I know. Um, he's he's good on the, the sub. So um, okay, it's definitely a Disturbed song. One. The the Serbs a band that you either love or hate. Like there's no in between. There's no like oh I like it. You know, which which one are you on? No, you have, you you have a tattoo of the. What am I? Oh no! Don't ask me that. Oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, I, I'd say they're the blandest fucking band I've ever heard. Hummer disturbed riff. You can't do it. <laughs> and I hate that. I hate that David um, was like you know I get high and write lyrics and then his lyrics are just get psycho want to get psycho. Ad nauseum. Here's here's what, what else they disturbed. They they are a character in the the script of new metal. That being said, I don't think I can listen to another Disturbed album ever again in my life. <laughs> but I appreciate their existence in the lexicon of the new metal alphabet. But I just I just can't bring myself to sit down and do it, and without sometimes laughing <laughs> at a song. I mean, like I can't believe someone okayed this. That is the most diplomatic way to say dog shit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. Disturbs believe or disturbed? It's believe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two for two. Oh. What's funny about Mudvayne 2 is I think some people just can't get into Mudvayne 2, and that's fine. Next one. You're at 200% <laughs> if my maths is correct. Okay. Bit of a long one. This is from Western Rex two years ago. 
Mm. Lucky to take a chance on this around this time it came out. One of my most listened to albums of this era and even got quite a few others interested in this group. Not a bad track on the album and the sound was unlike almost everything else at the time, even in their niche, maybe Stained is an exception. Um, vocals are a big part of the uniqueness. Still clearly some strong grunge influences, but I think it's quite a bit catchier than the first album. Which album is that? Is that Unloco's Healing, Cold's 13 Ways to Bleed on Stage or Stain's Break the Cycle? So we had a discussion for, for Unloco and that's a band that like, like you want to talk about a band that you just missed. Unloco was a band I just fucking missed. Like I, it wasn't until I became a mod of the subreddit where I'm like, I was like, who are these guys again? And then, you know, started listening to their stuff. I'm like, all right, I get it. It's not for me, but I get it. I think Stain's out because he mentions Stain when it comes to that and then strong gun grunge influences. It's probably cold. Yeah, you are three for three, which is three thousand percent incredible effort. What's your take on Cold? Oh, those first three albums are actually pretty good. Um, this I remember listening to this when we did the anniversary version of the uh, for this album, (laughs) just song after song, you're like, Oh wow, this is actually really good. I don't know why I love them, but I keep going back to them in times of you know distress like if there's bad turbulence on a plane i'll put cold on for some reason like it just is my Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't care if i die listening to this album (laughs) (laughs) i could listen to voice messages from my wife no i need scooter in my headphones yeah 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 yeah. and i don't know why i find comfort in that Everyone else is calling their partner saying, I love you. And I'm just like, just got You're just wicked. sitting in the chair, send in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 3,000%. Sweet. Love this album. One of the most underrated and usually forgotten new metal bands out there. This album in particular is so good. I will put it up there with new metal classics like Slipknot, Self-Titled, and Korn, Limp Bizkit, Significant Other, and Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory. Three albums are White Pony by Deftones. Finger Eleven, The Greatest of Blue Skies, and Snot Get Some. White Pony is definitely not underrated or forgotten. That's probably one of the best uh, new metal albums of all time, and it's and it's arguably can be you know understandably arguably not a new metal album because mm. it's their departure of the genre and that you know opening track, not Felicia, the the one back to school that they had, that you know the record co- you know producer they they were they wanted that song in there, um, but. That was their departure from it, but it's still classified as far as I I saw them uh, at a festival the other week and they played, and they closed with Back to School. There you go. Let's see, that's them embracing it too. And I think Chino even said something recently where he was just like, he's like, you can call us new metal. I don't give a shit. Just like what you like. And I'm like, there you go, buddy. All right. Um, Grace of Blue Skies, Finger 11. Holy shit. Like, what an awesome album that is um i saw them live lit and lit such like a happy like you know yeah yeah <laughs> we're, we're on stage and it's we're all having fun and finger 11 comes out they're all dressed in black the fleet singer is like bald and he's just screaming at the audience and uh it was just such a like a stark difference from like this kind of like frosted tips like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like jocks music and Guy Fieri, finger rock. 11 comes comes back and you're just kind of like life is shit watch this <laughs> um but um it's not man that's what it is it's not it's it's very underrated it's starting to get a little bit more traction you know that that album which is nice because there's bands that are starting to sound like them mm. um but uh but yes yeah, definitely it's not i'm sorry you've gone back to 200 percent. it was <sighs> finger 11 Oh no! <laughs> oh man! Yeah, well, they are. I would definitely say they're definitely underrated, but they're playing their first um, uh, U.S. show in probably I don't know ten years, maybe um, next year. So that's exciting to get it back to a hundred percent. You need to get this one right. Okay. M1 Air Three two months ago said I was so excited for this that on the release day I drove my. Chevy Cavalier after school, after high school, to the nearest circuit city. Is that Taproot Gift, Apartment 26, Hallucinating, or Nothing Face Violence? <laughs> what, what, what a perfect like comment that like shows you like uh, the time period of that. You know, that's something that that's someone no one uh, is gonna know that uh, are like in their twenties or teens listening to this podcast, going like. 
What the fuck is a Circuit City? <laughs> Chevy Cavalier. What's purchasing an album? Like, uh, we mean you guys didn't have like Spotify or iTunes. You just bring it up. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so, okay. Uh, uh, Gift and Hallucinating are both um, debut albums. So I'm going to guess that it's violence. Okay. Um, would you like a second chance? Okay, because you're saying or, that. Or are me- you going all in? I'm happy. You know, what's in the box, Seven Style? Are you going all in or would you like a second chance? Oh, man. See, now you're giving me doubts. Because it makes me feel like, you know, this person knew this album was going to come out. All right. Oh, okay, now I'm leaning toward Gift because Taproot was putting out a shit ton of promo and they were touring the shit out of that album. So I'm leaning toward Gift on this one. So you're locking in Gift? Yeah, let's go with gift. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. It was Taproot's gift. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if anyone drove to get a Nothing Face record, but I would like to hope they did. But yeah, Taproot was a you go get that on release. There was a bunch of hype about them. They were always in your like Kazar or iMesh sort of um That's true. Leaked. It's like Jonathan Davis. Raging into Machine collab covering One Step Closer by Linkin Park. And then it was like, oh, no, it's actually just Taproot or Edema. It's just, it's just exactly, Taproot or Edema. <laughs> We've got to leave it there, man. You, you've been very generous with your time. You did mention this band, though, and I feel like it would be a wasted opportunity to not bring them up. You love Dry Logic. What's your take on this masterpiece? I said, because if I don't eat soon, then soon I will be there within a minute or two. I'm going to cause some damage if you don't put me up. You know, sometimes you you want a pork chop sandwich and you're really passionate about it. So why not just fucking sing about it? Yeah, but here's what people forget, right? <laughs> the amount of time between writing that, refining it in a, in a practice space to actually releasing it, there was multiple stages where someone could have said, you don't have to release this. Like the bassist could have said, hey, maybe we don't do this. The engineer could have said, no, nah, oh, sorry, the computer shut down. Oh, I lost it, you know. There would have been multiple months where they were listening to it and been like, we're still releasing it, yeah, mm-hmm. at any stage. It wasn't just like a, a, someone snuck a camera into their, their band room and got the footage. It's the, it's, the, it's, it's the moonfall of new metal songs, you know. It's the, it's the you know, moonfall, the movie where just like the moon falls out of the sky. There's multiple times people kind of be like, do we want to make this movie? This is dumb as shit. And we're putting like millions of dollars into this. So can I tell you one, one last story? I wanted to bring this up. This is kind of sorry. Like, we're out of time. No, of course. Yeah. Bring in the book. So, um, so, so Jonah ends up like, you know, has a friend who ends up working for like Neil um, for promotion or something like that. And uh, he goes over his house and they're, they're talking and uh, Jonah actually like, you know, before they met like his friend and, and you know, and met Neil Young he said that, uh, hey, if somehow, you know, bring up my name and, uh, and half jokingly, you know, and uh, so he's like, ah, okay, sure. So they're, you know, his friend ends up meeting Neil Young. They're, he had to talk and says, I got a friend named Jonah. Uh, he was in a few bands, starts naming him off and says far. And Neil goes far, far. Eddie told me about far. Eddie Vedder. So then Neil gets up and he walks to the back of his house and gets a CD. And the CD is Tin Cans and Waters, Tin Cans and Strings to You. And says like, you know, we, we listened to it and we loved it. And like just the, so Jonah, you know, being growing up listening to Neil Young. If you listen to those early far, those really early far records, like listening game, he sounds like Eddie Vedder. You know, he's doing the that kind of thing. Eddie heard about Far and then told Neil. So that whole thing, I think what is his quote in the books is um, after he heard that story is um, I imagine them listening to it together on a purely rock nerd level. It's the most validating thing that's ever happened to me. Until this podcast. <laughs> this is so, it was just two geeks just fanboying it out over his music i'll be sending this to jonah for sure 
the weird thing is like <laughs> Jonah would be that for other people as well. Like I know my friends when they play with him, they were like, Jonah's actually like, we get to meet him. We get to see him. You don't often realize that you're, you can be that person for someone else, but you're mm-hmm. losing your mind that yeah, Eddie Vedder and Neil Young are talking about you or listening to you. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Oh yeah. He understands it. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for recommending this album bringing it back like i've spoken about this before like there's a few people who when i hear their voice they're a drug for me i forget about them sadly maynard like i, I do like tool and a perfect circle but when i hear his voice i'm like oh, i want to listen to his interviews podcasts i want to go all in on tool and all that sort of stuff kevin smith is one i don't know why he just mm-hmm. when i hear his interview i'm like oh, i'm back in and that's me for the next two months henry Rollins is kind of like that as well but ultimately it doesn't they don't make me um a better person. They don't make me a better communicator. But when I hear Jonah, I'm like, why haven't I listened to him for the last seven months? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with me? Like, why am I all in on insane clown posse when I could be going back to Jonah? You, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's a good drug. It's a well, it's actually like rather than a drug, it's like, oh, I'm back into exercising or eating vegetables now. Yeah. That's what I yeah. think it is for me and my ears. It's, it's healing. It's soul healing for sure. Yeah. So I do appreciate you suggesting this. It was not what I expected. Nah, thank you, man. Do you want to promote anything before we go? The best of 2002 should be out. Check it out. Lots of new music coming out. Lots of really good bands. New metal has gotten such a negative view from everybody, but there's so much good music coming out right now and people who actually love very creative and fun aspects of the genre that can, people can just forget about the ridiculous aspect of things and just embrace it for what it is it's just a fun type of music to just let loose turn up as loud as you can and sing as loud as you want i did see a limp biscuit cover band the other week and it was really really fun and to be in that crowd full of people just like singing along it was joyous and you know i reckon it even would have turned most of the cynics into into fans you know you appreciate it for what it is yeah uh thank you Make sure you subscribe to New Metal, um, the Reddit page, r slash New Metal. Submit your tier lists. Put around the fur at the top. Everyone's <laughs> loving it, you know. Uh, thank you so much, Sean. <laughs> Thanks.